Well, today my message is entitled Avoid Danger. Now, there are all kinds of danger in our world today. There are physical dangers from sicknesses, accidents, um, evil people. We could go on. There are emotional dangers that can impact our lives. Uh, stress, worry, those type of things. There are spiritual dangers, temptations, um, false teaching. How do people respond to the dangers that come into their lives? Well, some people just ignore danger, especially uh, it seems like young people, they, they think they're invincible and, uh, and they, they really don't pay any attention. They think nothing will ever hurt them. Uh, we're going to see that's, that's not a, a good approach. It's an approach some people have. Proverbs 14.16 says, One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. And so this verse in Proverbs is all the verses, many verses in Proverbs contrast it, a wise person and a foolish person. And which person do we want to be like? Uh, we want to be like the wise, the wise person. The wise person is cautious. When they become aware of some type of danger, they seek to avoid it. They seek to turn away from it. Foolish person, on the other hand, is, is uh, reckless. They're careless. They, they aren't worried about danger. And that is not a characteristic of a wise person. Now, at the other extreme are people who worry about and are anxious about every danger, real or imaginary. They are filled with fear. Proverbs 22.13 says, The sluggard says, There is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. Now, even in Israel's day, they were not lions wandering down the streets. This was, uh, he was just afraid of everything and perhaps it was easy to stay home. This was a sluggard, a lazy person. And in today's world, uh, sometimes people get so afraid that they are not able to live a normal life because of various perceived dangers. And so neither of these two approaches to danger is the way that God wants us to live, either being careless, ignoring danger, or being so filled with fear about danger that we cannot function in life. So what are we to do? How are we to respond? Because there are real dangers that we all face. Well, Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. And that includes dangers. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And so God's word instructs us, don't worry about the dangers that are around you, many of which are real dangers, the dangers that we face in our lives. And yet we are not to ignore them either. What are we to do? Well, the most important thing is to pray, to ask God to give us wisdom, to deal with the dangers, and also for protection on our lives, on our families, on our church. You know, I've just finished reading through the Psalms again in my personal uh, time. I just, I read different parts of the Bible, but I lately been reading through the Psalms. I just completed Psalm 150. And I, I guess one of the things that struck me in reading the Psalms again was how many Psalms deal with prayers for help in dangerous situations or from evil people. I mean, it is... I didn't count how many, but there probably the majority of Psalms are 
prayers for God's help dealing with danger, dealing with trouble, dealing with uh, difficult situations. And the reason they're in there is that's the kind of prayers we are to pray. As David, main psalmist, prayed for God's help, God was there for him, and God will be there for us as well. In our world, there are many dangers. It seems like every month there's a new COVID variant that starts to freak everybody out. And uh, it could impact our health. Rise in inflation could impact our finances. And yet the greatest dangers are not physical. The greatest dangers in our world are, are not financial. I believe the greatest danger is spiritual. And that da those dangers are not so easily recognized. Why are they so important? Because spiritual dangers can impact our relationship with God, which is the most important thing in our lives. And so today we're going to talk more about how to avoid spiritual danger and have the faith to deal with the dangers that are around us in life. This morning we're going to be studying the well-known book of Jude. Well, not exactly well-known book of Jude. Uh, it's a little book. Uh, one chapter right before the last book in the Bible, Revelation. It's only one chapter long, and, but it gives us some important teaching about the spiritual dangers that we face in our lives today. So we're going to uh, go through that this morning. Let's talk about the danger of false teaching. We're going to begin in verse 3. He says, Beloved... Although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to, here's the important phrase, contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And so the whole purpose of this little letter of Jude to the church was to encourage believers to contend for the faith. The word contend in the Greek language is drawn from uh, imagery of a military battle. It, it uh, depicts an intense, ongoing, active struggle. Now what is the opposite of contending for the faith? The opposite is just ignoring things that may attack our faith. Just thinking they're no big deal. And so the battle that Jude was writing about was a battle to keep the faith of the believers he was writing to strong and pure so that their faith wouldn't be their faith wouldn't be uh, attacked, that their faith would not be diminished, that their faith would not be contaminated, but it would be based solely on the truth of God's word. Now, why was it necessary? What was going on? What was Jude addressing? Why was this battle being fought? Well, verse 4, he says, For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And so the danger was from people who had become part of the church. We don't know which church Jude was writing to, or perhaps it was a, a group of churches. But people had come into the church claiming to be believers, perhaps even thinking they were believers, but these people were not godly. They were, they were ungodly in their behavior, in their characteristics. Specifically, these people taught that God's grace and forgiveness was so great 
that they did not have to obey God's commands in his word because God would just forgive them. So they could sin and God in his grace, they say, God, please forgive me. They would be forgiven and they could go on and it's like sin again because God would keep forgiving them. They could sin as much as they please, simply asking God for forgiveness. And this is a is not good. He calls them ungodly people. The verse mentions the sin of sensuality, which means various types of sexual sin. And they thought they could sin in that way as much as they please and simply ask God for forgiveness. And Jude says that type of thinking does not honor Jesus as Lord. Every Christian must acknowledge that Jesus is Lord of their lives. And that means if Jesus is Lord, that we obey what he tells us to do. And that is not what those people were doing. He goes on in verse 5 saying, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And so Jude then gives an example from the Old Testament. The people of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, out of slavery. That is a picture of salvation of us in the New Testament. And he notes that even though They were saved by God out of slavery. Eventually, they died in the wilderness. God's judgment came on them because they did not continue to believe. And so those scriptures, examples, and Jude gives a couple more examples as we go through it, show that God is concerned about that type of behavior and he is going to deal with it. So do we have this type of false teaching today? Well, I, I believe we do. The dangers that happened in New Testament times are still happening today. Uh, it's, it's really rampant across churches in America and around the world. What type of false teaching are we talking about? Well, there's, there's many types of false teaching. We'll just mention a few that are related to what Jude was talking about. Jude was talking about the false teaching about... Uh, that led to sensuality or sexual immorality. And so a common teaching today, a common false teaching, is that couples can live together before marriage if they truly love one another. Anybody heard that before? Uh, it's, it's a very common teaching. What does the Bible teach? It teaches that any sexual activity before marriage is sin. It's wrong. Now, That sin, as well as others, can be forgiven if people truly repent and forsake the sin. Now, the issue is the teaching that this type of sexual behavior is not sin and sometimes is actually to be preferred, right? Have you ever heard that before? We're going to live together so that we can see if we're really meant for each other. It's just kind of a trial thing. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, we're not going to get married. If it works out, we'll get married. Well, that is a false teaching. Another commonly uh, taught falsehood is that homosexuality is, is uh, normal for some people. That's how they were born, and that is how they are to live. Well, the Bible clearly teaches that homosexual activity of any kind is sin at all times. Teaches that marriage is between one man and one woman. 
And so the Bible is our standard with regard to sexuality, with regard to all kinds of other nature, uh, other, other uh, activities in our life. And as we'll talk in a minute, the Bible never changes. Uh, the Bible is our authority. Uh, it was authoritative back 2,000 years ago. It's authoritative today. So how do we identify false teachers? We talked about some of the false teaching, and we could, we could go on for a long time of other types of false teaching. Those are just a couple examples. Verse 8 says, Yet in like manner these people, the false teachers also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. So James now begins to talk about the character of these false teachers. They rely on their dreams and not the reality of God's word. Now sometimes we know from the Bible God does speak to people in dreams. But not every dream is from God. Uh, not every vision is from God. And when God does speak through dreams, it's always going to line up with the written word. It's going to line up with the Bible. It says they defile the flesh. That's talking again about sexual immorality. They are not under authority in their ministries. They don't answer to anyone else. They are on their own. Um, they are not under any type of authority. They speak arrogantly of, of defeating... Uh, Angelic forces or commanding angels. Uh, that's what people think the glorious ones here are some type of angels. There's good angels and bad angels. And they, uh, they act like they control the angels, which certainly is not the case. And so false teaching comes from false teachers whose character is not godly. goes on to say in verse 12, these are hidden reefs at your love feasts as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted. And so these false teachers, they are active in churches. They are coming to the various, um, the love feasts in the early church were practiced at communion or times when people got together. They were there, they were participating. They called themselves shepherds or pastors, but their motive was not to help others, but simply to help themselves. And so they were not bearing the fruit of the Spirit in their lives if they looked at them closely. goes on to say they're grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires, they're loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. Well, everything around a false teacher revolves around who? Jesus? No, it revolves around themselves. Promoting themselves, uh, they're prideful, always looking out for their own advantage. There were many false teachers in Jews' day, there are many today. Uh, we're not going to name any names uh, this morning, but uh, they're, they're all over. You can find them on television, you can find them on the internet, you can find them in churches in St. Louis. Unfortunately, there are many gullible people today who do not recognize that these are false teachers, do not recognize the false teaching. And what happens is if someone follows a false teacher, if someone follows this false teaching, they become like them in their character and in their actions. And so God wants us to be able to identify 
and stay away from false teachers. And so what we are called to do is to be careful. It's not our job, it's not my job to go around and identify all the false teaching and false teachers in the world. That would be an endless, uh, unrewarding task. But what we are called to do is be careful about the teachers and teaching that we listen to, that we take into our spirits, that we believe. One of the gifts of the Spirit is the gift of discernment. I believe that God gives the gift of discernment to every believer to discern between truth and falsehood. How can we grow in that gift of discernment? Well, the easiest way is to grow in our knowledge and understanding of God's Word. The more that we understand the Bible, the more that we listen to the Holy Spirit, the easier it will be for us to discern the difference between the truth and false teaching. Now, one of the things we need to recognize is that false teaching is rarely 100% false. False teaching that we're talking about often describes itself as Christian. It uses Bible verses. And some of what a false teacher says will be true. But the overall message is leading people away from God. And so we need to be able to distinguish both the character and content of false teachers. Let's look a little more closely about how we should respond to false teaching, the danger of false teaching. Verse 19, Jews says, It is these, these false teachers who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. And so false teaching often causes divisions in churches or between Christians. It often twists the Scripture or causes people to argue about different things. And it says that these people are devoid of the Spirit. They're not full of the Holy Spirit. As we grow as a believer, we'll be able to discern those who are full of the Spirit of God and those who are, as Jude says, devoid of the Spirit. So how else should we respond to this danger that's around us? Well, it says in verse 20, You, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. And so we are to build ourselves up in the faith. Where does faith come from? God's word says that faith comes from hearing and putting into practice the word of God. Secondly, we are to pray in the spirit. As we pray in the spirit, as we pray under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, as we regularly pray without ceasing, God will open up the truth of his word so that we understand it and could put it into practice in our lives. Now what about others that we may know? There's probably people that you know in your life that are listening to and following false teaching. What are we to do about them? Well, Jesus says, have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear hating even the garments stained by the flesh. And so, false teaching often leads people to doubt the truth of God's word and what true churches teach. And so we have to have mercy on those who are doubting, those who are struggling to understand God's word. We show mercy by praying for them. We show mercy by seeking to teach them the truth of God's word by seeing how what they believe in what God's word 
are not the same. And so we ask for God to move in their lives. It speaks of others, snatching others from the fire. That's speaking of the fires of hell. You see, if someone continues to follow, believe in, and practice false teaching, they are falling away from God. They are headed for an eternity without God. And so we need to seek to rescue them, to bring them back into the true faith. And as we do that, we need to be careful that we do not succumb to false teaching when we seek to rescue others from it. And so God calls us to help those who have embraced false teaching in their lives. Now, probably one of the biggest reasons that false teaching is not recognized and that it is not dealt with is the widespread belief in what I call relative truth. Relative truth is the belief that each person can believe whatever they want, and that can be their truth. In fact, relative truth, taken a little bit far or really too far, I mean, relative truth is not good at all. So, uh, relative truth concerning the Bible is that you can read the Bible, I can read the Bible, we can come to completely different conclusions as what it means, and that's okay. The Bible, people who believe in relative truth is whatever you want it to mean, that's what it means. But God's word is not relative truth. The Bible teaches that the Bible contains absolute truth. The whole concept of relative truth is a false teaching. Absolute truth is the, is the understanding that the Bible is true for every person, at all times, and it never changes. So, the people that teach, the Bible you know, made sense to the people 2,000 years ago, but we've evolved and it doesn't really make sense to us today, or we can may have a different sense today than writers of Scripture had, is a false teaching. Absolute truth is the truth that the Bible is the same for every person, for all time, it never changes. And why is that? Because God never changes. Jesus never changes. The Holy Spirit never changes. What was written down 2,000, well, even beyond that, in the Old Testament and the New, is true forever and ever. And so our response to false teaching and how we help others is always to direct them to the absolute truth of what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about this uh, Teaching, what does the Bible say about this concept? What does the Bible say? And so the warnings in the Bible about false teaching are there for a reason. God desires for us to understand the danger of false teaching, both for ourselves, to be careful what we listen to, watch, and for others. And for others, that we can help them. The Bible gives us principles to identify the character and the, the character of false teaching character of false teachers, the content of false teaching, so that we can avoid it, so that we can help those who have fallen into it. What is our standard? It's, it's God's Word. We need to know God's Word. We need to study God's Word. We need to talk to one another. You know, when you face somebody and you go, you know, what they're saying, I, it doesn't seem right, but I'm not sure why. We'll talk to somebody else. And they may be able to point you to the part of Scripture that makes clear what God's teaching on that topic. Our standard of truth is God's word 
understood with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so my prayer is that we as believers would be committed to God's truth and be able to spread God's truth uh, to those that need to hear it. And so this morning, uh, beginning to understand God's word, to walking with Jesus, to knowing the truth, is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this morning, I want to give everyone here an opportunity either to commit their lives for the first time, those who may be watching online, or to recommit their lives this morning. To do that, you admit that you've sinned, you've, you've been following really wrong teaching. To ask for forgiveness, believe that Jesus died on the cross, that you might be forgiven, saved. He rose from the dead and committing your life to follow him all the days of your life. So let's bow our heads right now. I'd encourage you to recommit your life this morning if you committed your life in the past. It's a good thing to do. Every Sunday I pray this prayer and I, I am recommitting my life uh, to the Lord each and every Sunday. It's a good thing to do, in fact, on a daily basis. Let's pray together. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've... I've Followed some false teaching. I've listened to temptations of the enemy. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross. My sins might be forgiven. And he rose from the dead. He's alive today. And I commit myself to following him as my Lord and Savior. To doing the things that he tells me to do in his word. Thank you for saving me. And Father, we pray as well today. We thank you for the teaching of your word about false teaching. And we pray, God, you give us discernment to identify it so that we don't listen to it, so that we can help others who may have listened to it and are following it, perhaps unknowing what the Bible really teaches. Help us, Lord, to respond to the dangers around us of all kinds, through prayer, through asking you for protection, through asking you for wisdom. God, may we not worry about anything. May we rely on you and your spirit to guide us in a world that is filled with dangers. But as you walk with us, as you are our shield, as you are our fortress, we have nothing to fear. We thank you, God, for being with us. We pray, Lord, that we would speak the truth of who Jesus is and why he came on Christmas 2,000 years ago during this Christmas season. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.